So when we last left the Israelites, they had traveled down into Egypt to escape the famine and were welcomed to the land of Goshen by the brother Joseph, who had become important in Pharaoh's court. Thus ends the book of Genesis, where Joseph foreshadows what is to come next by telling his grandchildren and great-grandchildren to preserve his bones so that he could be carried back someday to the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Time goes by, and the book of Exodus begins with a haunting sentence. There arose in Egypt a pharaoh who did not know Joseph. And because he did not know all that Joseph had done in order to preserve the Egyptian country and to bring it great wealth through the times of plenty followed by the years of famine, he began to grow suspicious of the Israelites, these Hebrew people in the land of Goshen. They were beginning to multiply and have children and begin to have their lands and their flocks and their wealth increase. And so that Pharaoh decides that he, in fear of them, should make sure that they would not be able to rise up against them and orders that all of the baby boys be killed. Now there are five misbehaving women in the second chapter of the book of Exodus and if you want to learn more about them you can take a look at my Monday Musing on our website. But chapter three is the story of that child saved by the forethought of those five defiant women whose name is Moses, meaning to be drawn up out of the water. Moses grows up in the court of the Pharaoh as a grandson to the Pharaoh, but then he begins to recognize his own ethnicity, his own character as a Hebrew, and he's going out through the countryside and seeing that the Pharaoh is oppressing his kinsmen. And an Egyptian begins to beat one of the Hebrew workers for not working hard enough. And Moses is so enraged that he comes and kills the Egyptian. Assuming nobody has seen him, he buries his body in the sand and continues. The next day, however, two Hebrews are beating up on each other. And Moses says that they should not beat on their own kinsmen. And one of them says, what are you going to do? Are you now in charge? Are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? finding out that he had been seen and that the Pharaoh had now announced that Moses had a price on his head, he goes off to the land of Midian. In Midian, he finds a kind man, Ruel, and Ruel offers him one of his daughters, Zipporah, in marriage, and he begins to tend flocks for his father-in-law. And one day, as you know the story, he was out following the sheep, and there in the distance he saw a bush that was burning, but was not being consumed. A fire that seemed to have its own fuel. It alighted on the bush, but the bush was still intact. Mesmerized by this image, Moses goes over towards that vision, and then a voice comes out of the bush, and tells Moses that he is on holy ground. As is Middle Eastern custom, 
You take your shoes off when you're on holy ground. You take your shoes off when you're actually inside. Your shoes come in contact with all of the dirt and filth of the roads and streets and world around you. And the soles of your feet then remain clean. And you don't track that into your home. You leave the shoes by the door and then barefoot you come into the home in touch with your own habitation. The voice of God tells Moses to take off his shoes, to take that distance that was the representation of the dirt and soil of the world and allow his feet to be embedded on the holy ground of the soil before the burning bush. Moses then, of course, discovers that he is being called to go liberate the children of Israel because God has heard their suffering and needs Moses to go back to Pharaoh's court and plead their case. Moses immediately deflects, tells God that he's got the wrong guy, that he isn't able to speak well. Besides, if I go back and tell the Hebrews that I am there to liberate them in the name of their God, who am I supposed to say sent me? Which brings us to God's answer. Moses said, who am I going to tell the people that has sent me? And God says this. At least that's what's in the text. Four Hebrew characters. Yud, He, Vav, He. Remembering that Hebrew goes from right to left instead of left to right. Yud, He, Vav, He. Or, as you've maybe seen it written, sometimes pronounced Yahweh. The fact of the matter is we have no idea how this is pronounced because it was never spoken by the people. Years after the destruction of the temple, the scholars went into the Hebrew text that was written always without vowels, just the base consonants of each word. And in order to preserve the pronunciation, they went back and filled in the vowels in the Hebrew text using vowel pointing above and below each character. But that was based on how they knew the words were already pronounced. No one had actually spoken this name since before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. The Kohen Gadol, the high priest, would pass on the pronunciation once a year to the future high priest, who then would know how to pronounce God's name. But when the temple was destroyed and the priestly system ended, the role of the Kohens disappeared, and with it, the pronunciation of God's name. So, when a faithful Jew hits these four characters on the page of the text, they either say, Adonai, which is the ger generic name, Lord. Or they say, Hashem, which is Hebrew for the name. Or they refer to the tetragrammaton, which is the four letters. What's behind this mysterious annunciation? When Moses asks, who are you? God responds, yod Hey, Vav, Hey, 
speaking it. But interestingly enough, each one of those letters has the weight or the sound of a vowel. Yeah. Rabbi Lawrence Kushner notes that the sound of these said all at once, as if it were a word, would be inutterable. That it is breath itself. Now the translators into English frequently wrote, I am and pointed out that the core meaning of this name of God may have to do with being itself. I am, or in French, être, current, but also past, I was, and future, will be. I am that I am, I was what I was, I will be what I will be. Existence itself resting on the character of these four breaths of sound, the name of God. Now, why did they quit pronouncing the name? Well, the third commandment says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Simply put, that means that you don't say God's name unless you want to deal with the consequence of getting God's undivided attention. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain means that you will not use God's name for one's own vanity. That it is not God certifying my activity. It is my incomplete obedience resting on the fullness of God's own being. The Gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter, beginning at the 21st verse. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things, of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and to be killed, and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. Jesus, thanks for coming in. I just wanted to share a few things with you. Over the past few weeks, your message has gotten really, really depressing. All of this talk about going to Jerusalem to suffer and die. Now, Bartholomew and Nathaniel put together a deck to show how the polling numbers work, given the message that you're conveying. Feed the 5,000, way up. Talk about death and dying and oh, crucifixion, way down. If we're going to come into Jerusalem and reveal that you're the Messiah, remember, the rock, on this rock I will build my church, if we're going to use that message, you're going to have to pump up the pieces of the message that are a lot more popular. You can't keep talking about this because when we reveal that you're the Messiah, it's going to be incredibly popular provided you get your messaging right. Did you just call me Satan? This shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, 
Get thou behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is it a man profiteth if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us give thanks and praise. 